Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Prepare at last his return. Your behavior, our Savior, descends. Welcome to Tribulation Farce, a left-behind podcast delving into the mysteries of the end times. I am your host, Tim Lanning, and joining me is my wife, Jennifer Cheek. Hello, everyone. Uh, Let me just say right out of the gate, my brain has been fully blasted by the two chapters that we are discussing today. We've been saying, hey, I can't wait for Nikolai Carpathia (laughs) To start doing shit. I can't I want oh, him on screen. Man. And our our friend looks at the camera and says, Buckle up, bitch. <laughs> now, I know what you're thinking. Okay, he must do some real antichrist stuff. And <sighs> no, but imagine these old buck chapters where he's like like three years ago there was this weird war. <laughs> Russia exploded Israel. Imagine that I tried to. but it's happening in real time. So it's a classic buck chapter. Where they're just lore dumping on you. Yes. But it's the Antichrist, and it's insane. So, so it's funny that your brain is focusing on, on the Carpathia of it all. Because that's not even the part that really, like, broke me down. It was the getting into interpreting uh, the prophecy. That part rocks. <laughs> In Revelation. Okay. And it opened up uh, an area of my brain that I haven't, like, accessed in a while. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like... I knew when we did this podcast that I was going to have to like dig into researching Revelation again, mm-hmm. but this this chapter, these chapters made it very, very clear, and I have already been all up in the Four Horses of the Apocalypse Wikipedia. Hell yeah. And, oh, wow. So we'll eventually do a bonus episode, like really digging into pretty much all of these things. I, I think we need a full episode of just on the Four Horses themselves, yeah. honestly. Because, uh, and this chapters is we both we get two outlines of basically what's going to happen um well one outline showing how powerful Nikolai Carpathia is yes and how he's justifying his power yes kind of and then we get a outline of the rest of the series yes in- including the final book's name glorious <laughs> appearing yes, um, they they do give us uh, the uh, the classic like here's the roadmap for yeah. where we're going because we knew that they were going to do this yes i just didn't expect they were going to be like oh my god gang guess what i found out <laughs> Emergency meeting at the church, guys. Right. I need to tell you about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Because, as we know, this weird church they go to is obsessed with the end times. I get the fact that Bruce is not a good Christian. I don't know how he didn't absorb any of this weird shit. He, like, literally how? If it was such a good church, how did he absorb none of it? Yeah. Like, well, I wouldn't say good church. I would say him being a faker 
And this being a weird ass church obsessed with the end times. <sighs> yeah, yeah. But like but he doesn't seem like he believed that. But so why was he working at the church? I mean, I guess Well, yeah, I mean that's the that's the whole thing. We have no time for that. No, we can't. Honestly, those, I I another a funny thing that was happening while I was taking notes for this. So usually my process is I read, I underline, I take little notes within the book, and then I go back and write the notes for this. And I swear to God that I don't believe exists in the second chapter I was taking notes I kept like I kept turning pages and turning pages and I kept being like surely this is the end of the chapter no it was yeah. not it just kept going and kept going but I think it was just because it was like so much info yeah like they were just dropping so much stuff that I was like there's no there's this chapter's got to be ending this is the first time I'm gonna say this is the first episode that I'm not going to say we're in it now no. because we were in it last time. We this is just existing within it. So yeah. I don't need to say we're in it this now. This is how it's going to be. This from is how here it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so these chapters are big and needy and yet again kind of funny when they have to switch over to Rayford and nothing's happening. Uh, it's so funny in like the way that they they have to do a perfunctory switch over to Rayford yeah. and be like, "Yep, he's sad. Yep. All right, back to bug now." <laughs> he he has to sleep on the ground and drink coffee. Buck is going to be extradited for murder. <laughs> it really is hilarious. It's insane. Yeah, the stakes are very different between the two stories right now. Yeah, but I mean, like we said, they do give Rayford one of the more insane chunks of it. Jennifer, how much more of the book do we have, would you say? So, I think we have about four episodes of, of stuff left if we're going for the current uh, two chapters. Okay. An episode. Okay. Yeah, because I, I think there's 25 chapters in this. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, so we'll actually, it, it'll all work out nice and neat. We can keep going with our two chapters and, ep, and it will close out the book. Beautiful. Chapter 16. Woo! Uh, guys, Buck and Steve Planger about to start their switcheroo plan to get to Carpathia. Because remember, Buck is lightly wanted for international <laughs> assassination. <Interval laughs> and Scotland Yard. <laughs> yeah. Those two things that we think about a lot. I mean, they're good names, like we've said. I mean, they sound very official and scary, for sure. It ups the tension. Yes. And gotta give it up. Yeah, so so to remind everyone, Buck had a false identity of George Oreskovich. <laughs> so there's like a few layers. So basically what they're doing is that Steve Plank, Buck's boss, is going to pretend to be George Oreskovich, which Interpol and whatever police know is supposedly Buck. Right. And Buck is going to pretend to be Steve Plank. Because, like, good point. No one really knows what journalists look like. That, <laughs> that that actually is a good point to me. And, like, fair enough. Yeah. But don't they also say that everyone knows who Buck... I don't know. Whatever. Well, and, and, well, that becomes clear. So they start this whole, like... I keep wanting to call it a heist. It's not really a... They're not trying to steal anything. It's a but knowledge it's, heist. It's a knowledge heist. And so Steve takes off in a taxi one minute before Buck. I do love <laughs> the idea that Buck gets into the second cab. He's like, all right. Wait one minute. One minute. Cab driver's like, what the fuck okay, is this? Okay, <laughs> I've always wanted to do this, bud. Are you going to pay me an extra 50 to run red lights? I'll fucking do it. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, and by the time, the one minute is all it takes is by the time that Buck shows up to the hotel, Steven's being arrested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which uh, rules. It was really funny. <laughs> so, I mean, they're right. Their plan is good, and I'm glad that Buck didn't pull a, come on, man, do you really think this is worth it? Because Steve is going to get extremely arrested which is really funny 
And Steve does a really good job of being like, I told you, I'm a race yeah. bitch. <laughs> and then someone's like, that's not, that's not Buck, that's Steve Plank. And he's like, yeah, I'm Steve Plank. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm his boss. Yeah. And he did a, uh, uh, he did a real good job. You really got it. You got to hand it to Steve on this one. He really, he did a great job. Yeah. And they made sure to point out that he was being escorted to a paddy wagon. <laughs> okay. Um, so while this is happening, Buck's like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to get in now. But Buck is recognized by a fellow reporter from Seaboard Monthly, which I yeah. thought was a hilarious magazine name. This is, um, oddly enough, the craziest part of the craziest <laughs> chapter we've done. Well, because the payoff for this guy is... is- Insane. A lot. <laughs> so we meet this reporter named Eric Miller. He seems like an asshole. He's like, hey, man, just, just give me a story. Give so, me the pitch. Right. Like, I can't follow almost what's happening here. <laughs> he's, like, so, chasing Buck because he, he knows. Everyone knows Buck is the number one star boy right. reporter. So he's like, oh, man, if Buck's doing some shenanigans, you know he's got a good lead. So exactly. I'm just going to chase him around in this hotel. And Seaboard Monthly, oh, my God, they need a scoop. They're like, all we talk about is boats. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Buck goes on the phone, calls Rosenzweig, in order to be like, hey, man, can I come up? Because they're going to meet in Rosenzweig's room to talk to Carpathia. This guy recognizes, recognizes Buck. He's like, hey, man, shut the fuck up. Shut the <laughs> fuck up. And he's like, no, you got to tell me. I'm gagging here, Buck. I'm come, gagging here. Come on, man. Let me in on it. I'll give you anything. That's literally an exact quote. <laughs> yeah, I wish that he would have said, I'll suck your dick. I'll suck your dick. Come on. <laughs> Like you gotta add a little jazz, whatever. <laughs> whatever. I'll jack off on you. You can piss on me. <laughs> you anything. Come on my face? <laughs> Knock my teeth out. Anything. Uh, and he's like, "Fuck off." I'll tell you afterwards. And Miller's like, "You're doing this. You're doing that. You're talking to Carpathian." And like, I didn't say that, fucker. And so <laughs> Buck leaves and then gets on an elevator. Miller dashes on the <laughs> elevator, kicks the other people off the elevator, yeah. and then Buck like strangles him. Picks <laughs> <laughs> collar and it's like yeah it's strangling him in this elevator i'm like okay buck this is calm down buddy the most out of place thing that has happened since the rapture happened <laughs> the story. two reporters like strangling each other yeah he's literally like i'm going for i almost went for his throat again well, he does go for. I think he does it. Well, he well he goes for the first time. Yeah, the, this he, is the puts, first assault on this man. Yeah, and then he says something else to like. He's just being like, you know how it is. I I I, I know you chase your own stories, but I got to do what I got to do. Got to get my scraps. I'm a rat. <laughs> and Buck's like, I'm gonna fucking choke this bitch again. Buck's like, it feels good to choke it. Yeah. I like this. This is awakening something in me. <laughs> Buck is very violent. He's violent. So, so okay. So, what happens? Buck chases the dude off the elevator. I yeah. guess. But by the time Buck gets up to the VIP floor, this dude has already made it to the floor. Which I don't know physically how that's possible. I think he said that he, he saw what floor he punched or something. So he must have just gone to another elevator. No, he ran probably right up, well, sure, but how probably right up the stairs. Of stairs. We didn't hear it. It would have been funny if Buck said, "Ah, oh, lucky th- floor 13. And then Miller's like, oh, oh, I'm Buck. Yeah, that's what he should have done. So, so the dude, he beats Buck there, and they both show up in front of the security guard, being like, I'm Steve Plank. No, I'm Steve Plank. 
He's very funny. Yeah, Miller rocks, and he's full rap mode, and even Buck is like, "How? what the fuck is happening? <laughs> but Buck also straight up tackles this dude in the yeah. hall, and like everyone's like coming out of their hotel rooms like, hey, you hooligans, stop it. I think they do a good job of writing the bodyguard being like, I don't know what the fuck is happening here. <laughs> <laughs> this is so weird. Like, I don't fucking care. I'm just going to call the dude out here. And he, it, it felt very, um, it reminded me of the Solomon cutting the baby in half story. Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, Miller looks over another person's shoulder and sees what floor, nut, like, what room is Rosenzweig's. And he just, like, sprints to it. He sprints to it as, and then Buck's, like, Buck tackles him. And then he's like, what the fuck were you going to do at the door? He's like, I can charm my way. I've done it before. And he's like, what are you talking about? If you're that good at charming, why are you working at Seaboard Monthly, bitch? Jennifer, we will not be talking shit about Seaboard Monthly. I hope Seaboard Monthly is a real magazine. (laughs) (laughs) And and they're going to sue me. It was like when I would uh, uh, take doo-doos at my grandpa's house and he had like... (laughs) Uh, a yacht book or like well, you gotta read it Rob Report or something yeah, like that yeah. where it's like oh I need to get expensive pins and watch and, and yacht that's what they get you that's what Seaboard Monthly is all about baby yeah. first class and also getting interviews with Nicola Carpathia that, that's what Seaboard Monthly is all about I imagine in this world everyone is like you know um, freaking Fly Fisherman Weekly has a guy out there just I, well, trying to get him what's your opinion on fly fishing what's but, your opinion on fly fishing everyone's fucking obsessed with Carpathia. Oh, yes. Fly fishing, popularized in the film Radio Flyer. (laughs) Yeah, he just, like, starts spouting a Wikipedia article about it. Yeah, and then everyone's like, wow, the internet doesn't exist, but it sure is fucked up that this guy knows so much about stuff. So, they're they're having the the Steve Plank off in the the hallway, and guess who shows up to break the tie? Right. Nikolai Carpathia, him... His own damn self. So it's, it's really funny, and I didn't expect that to happen, because the whole thing is super secret, meet Heim, and then Carpathia will show up. Right. But Carpathia is now in the process of showing up, and Buck has, like, a man in a headlock, or, like, I imagine <laughs> they're like, ties. on him. <laughs> like, there's a black eye. Like, they're, yeah. there's, like, a really sweaty man, and then another one that you recognize. And Carpathia is straight up like, oh, Buck, what's up? <laughs> and Buck's like... How does he know people call me Buck? <laughs> which, of, which I'm like, probably people have heard it. That doesn't really feel like a I big know. deal to me, but it, Buck is freaking out over it. Yeah, that was a, uh, one of those things where it's like, I guess we'll just have to take this as a fact because the character is telling us. But, you know, as the reader, we only know him as Buck. Yeah, and then later on, he Carpathia does the, like, do they not call you Buck because you Buck tradition? Yeah, that Like, part okay, sucks. we fucking get we it. get Shut it. Up. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so anyway, Carpathia comes and points out which is the real boy. It's it's Buck. Um, yeah, but and- even still, Miller's like, come on, give me something, give me something, come give me something. On. And Carpathia, bless his heart, is like, I will call you. Is that fine? We can talk in the morning. Dun, dun, dun. Put a pin in that. Well, at this time, there's nothing bad, but. Nope. Just put a pin in it. <laughs> just put a pin in it. Um, so then we have a very short, and the, the short, like, cuts in these chapters again. Very weird. Why? We have a short cut where literally it's just Rafer feeling bad about the conversation that he had with Hattie, and he's really sad about Chloe not being saved yet. Yeah, and we're also entering into a very confusing three days where they (laughs) kind of set up a timeline where I guess we're supposed to care about it after we've had the weirdest one single day in the past five chapters. Yeah, yeah, because at at some point it does, like, mention, like, oh, it's only been a few days since this happened. I'm like, what? Like, a few days? And it's been, like, at least, like, a week or something? Like, come on. 
I have no idea. This but makes zero sense. A lot of things are happening on Saturdays and Wednesday <laughs> in this, these uh, chapters, I think. I have no idea, but it's very funny playing up Hattie's role in all of this. Well, when it's just like, I guess we got to get there on Wednesday for lunch. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, literally does not matter. Does not matter. <laughs> Rayford, he's going to try to meet up with Hattie. That's it. I don't even think, I think that, like, that's get talked about in, like, a different section. I don't know why. Right, this, which is show, why. I don't know why this exists. Yeah, because they're, like, threading that, like, oh, Chloe, I need to go to New York. Do you want to come with me? Yeah. And so now we're figuring out, like, how is he going to New York? Why are we talking about Rayford's logistics? I do not give a fuck. I think they thought it was interesting to show the overlap of people. It's not interesting. It's It's confusing. I think they're afraid that people are going to forget who Rayford is if they don't mention (laughs) him often enough. So they have to cut back and forth between the two. It's like, we gave him a chapter where someone broke into his house. What if he beats a guy up? (laughs) Yeah, so anyway, we cut back to way more interesting stuff, because <laughs> Buck, Heim, and Carpathia are beginning their meeting in Heim's fancy hotel suite. Uh, immediately, Carpathia says, It is amazing, is it not, that all those different international meetings right here in New York over the next few weeks are all about the worldwide cooperation in which I am interested. Oh, yeah, it's super weird. <laughs> I'm really surprised Buck wasn't like, wow, my life's a movie. It's like I'm in a book. What the fuck? <laughs> it makes one thing that perhaps this is the Antichrist. Yeah, this, um, God, man, they just they just keep, like, sprinting down that mountain with yeah. this old Nikolai Carpathia guy. They keep, like, dropping so many, like, isn't this such an Antichrist thing to yeah. do? <laughs> Yeah, there's like a part later where he's just like staring at Buck, and Buck's like, "Wow, I'll do anything for him." <laughs> oh my god, we are well, we're, we are going to talk about that part for sure. Yeah. Um. So they're they're having, they're starting their actual conversation, but guys, they get freaking interrupted because the president of the United States calls to talk to Carpathia. Sanity, and then <laughs> instead of doing the, I guess no, I don't know if this is legally a normal thing because it doesn't happen a lot, but like. Nikolai just lets him stay. He's like, why would I want my my new best friend? Buck? So weird. Yeah, he's just like, why would I be ashamed of talking to the president in front of my two, my old friend and my new friend, he says of Buck. Nikolai rocks. <laughs> he does rock. You're like, you got to give it up for this dude. So the, the question, the thing that I don't know, but I do know, but I don't know is, does Nikolai have magic? My understanding <laughs> is, no, he doesn't. I... That being said, God, the good God that we like, that we worship, is making Nikolai, like, you know, roll a natural 20 on all of his diplomacy checks. He for sure has powers. He has powers. Like, the way they talk, like, they're not saying he has powers, but he does. But, like, any powers he have, has, is given by God. And not just in the way that, like, everything's God, but this is, like, explicit, because later he gets devil powers. Yeah, God made him... To be the Antichrist. You're saying he's not fully, like, in Antichrist mode yet? Right, because he doesn't get fully in Antichrist mode. Well, there's two versions of Antichrist mode, right? Like, they kind of, <laughs> This is the proto-Antichrist yeah, mode right now, which is his God-given mode. <laughs> we we talked about this earlier, and the, the thing was like, wait, did the tribulation start yet? And oh, and we find out the answer to that. And it's no. Which is no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they do uh, uh, outline the next seven years in the next chapter, which is fun and insane. But basically, the first sort of like key off of the tribulation is the Antichrist showing up and being the Antichrist. And I guess him consolidating yeah. power, yeah, so yeah, to yeah. speak. And it's really funny because they go through this entire timeline in, in, in like next chapter 
Whereas this chapter, we get Nikolai talking about all the shit he wants to do, and we're like, whoa, we know you're the Antichrist, but what the fuck? But, like, still, I think my point is, I think, I don't think he's magical. I just think that uh, Yahweh is goosing things his way. Like, I think he's, like, the world's most charismatic person and is blessed by the Christian God. To have supervision and super <laughs> exactly. um, Like a photographic memory I, and, I and think, super good luck. I just think there's a very fine line between, like, that and magic and, like, supernatural. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, essentially, it's a meaningless um, distinction. Yeah. Because he has the one true God uh, making things go well for him. So yes. what that so so that he, he doesn't have be- magic, but he does have so magic. that he can become bad and right. God can fight him. Right. I mean, God made up a guy to fight. He he has less magic than the two dudes we meet later later oh, in the chapter. D- yeah, for sure. That is a great point. Those dudes definitely because, have magic. And I think the why I say that is because we do meet people that have magic. So and he's gonna get magic. And he's going to get magic. He just is not fully magical. Right now. He's yeah. in his... Imagine the Antichrist is a Pokemon, and this is his, like, base state. Yes. And he's going to evolve. Yes. And in fact, I feel like it might be exactly... Like, he has two evolutions, so... Yeah. His, his you know, yeah, full evolution this, yeah, is Antichrist. This, this is his, like, Magikarp phase. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he's going to be a Gyarados, and then he's going to be a mega, mega evolved yeah. Gyarados or whatever, because yeah. I'm excited for them to, to mention that, because they keep mentioning things that are going to happen, and then we can freak out and talk about that thing that happens uh in a couple books but yeah i mean again these it's so dense and this is the first time we're getting like a one-on-one with nikolai that we have like we have to have these thoughts of like is he really mind controlling buck right or is he just or he's just that charming of a person yeah he has the cult of personality and i think that's possible but But, i don't know uh, it's Anyway, the president calls in. He's like, hey, Mr. Carpathia, sure would be cool if you came and had a sleepover at the White House and talked to all my, my dudes in Congress. Like, what? He's like, sure. And I think earlier <laughs> someone was like, are you going to go talk to Congress? And Nicola was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I can't do that. Turns out you can. Well, President Fitz yeah. loves him and uh, the world's best boy. They're laying it on so thick, but also he is the... Antichrist and and pseudo magical, so I guess it makes sense. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like this. I think he not- has to be some. There's there's some weird shit going on him because no one like this many people would not be like shitting their pants over right. him. So he doesn't have magic, but God is his PR person. Yes, and so and that's super helpful. <laughs> I I think I was also like really interested thinking about the American president in this world because. Yeah. Well, he's still here, which means he wasn't a Christian. I thought that was really fun. Um, and I, I'm just curious. I haven't seen enough of him yet to see if he is a uh, Democrat coded or not. <laughs> well, I, so they have him speak kind of like, well, well, partner. Yeah, not, yeah. Not, not well, partner, but like, I'm just a normal guy. Call me Fitz, which. Yeah. Now we would definitely take as Republican coded, yeah. But I'm not positive what they would do in 1995, well, especially due to the Jimmy Carter situation. Well, okay, but also more importantly, the Bill Clinton situation because he is from Arkansas and is a Democrat. Oh, and that's and he was a president. Oh, so Fitz is from Arkansas. 
Oh, I don't know if Fitz is, but, but you were saying he's got that folk seal. Well, folks, That's true. like, and and Clinton was a Democrat. Got had it. the same. He has that drawl. Yeah. You know? So I, I'm definitely. So I'm assuming he's Democrat coded, but I don't. Right now sure. we would see him as Republican, but I yes. can totally see it being Democrat coded back then. Yeah, I just, I just wasn't. I'm still. Uh, we don't. I haven't seen enough of the president until like for me to fully like suss out what they're trying to do with yeah. his character right now. I bet it's but, but they, but Buck does like make some little like snide comments about like he does not like Fitz. Yeah, and. <laughs> Buck a Republican? Weird. But um, we also... I'm sure he's an independent. <laughs> ...get mention of, like, Congress later, and kind of going to that point, he doesn't... They, there's no mention of how fucked Congress is, and it's no. only been, like, what, a week, two weeks, if Yeah, that. that's a great point. They, <laughs> sorry, I'm about to get in my head myself. I'm going to stop. After they get back on track, after the whole president interruption... They're thing. like, oh, we're all glowing. What do you do when you spend the night at the president's house? I, I mean, do you watch a movie in the presidential theater? You drink whiskey <laughs> and talk about Illuminati shit. You go hang out in the stairwell away from the security guards. Yeah, if, you, if I learned anything from House of Cards. And it's 1995, <laughs> so, you know, Jeffrey Epstein's running around. Oh, God. Yeah, he's for sure going to take you to Epstein Island. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, Carpathia on Epstein Island. I'm scared. Nikolai Carpathia, would you like to? Redacted. <laughs> so, Carpathia is like, all right. I know I told you to come here because I got a scoop for you, but first of all, buddy, you're in such big trouble right now. <laughs> this should make all your sort of uh, uh, alarm bells go off. Yeah. And thankfully, Buck does feel that way. Yeah, but, but and I do appreciate that like, Buck is like kind of struggling against himself because yeah. he likes Carpathia, but he's also like, oh, this seems really shady, this yeah. whole thing. Uh, the book says the Romanian sat forward and looked directly into Buck's eyes. That gave Buck such a feeling of peace and security that he felt free to tell him everything. So that's where I was like, okay, is he like hypnotizing him? Right. The, the, it's like I think he is, but he's not. The that paragraph is written so strangely. I had to read it three times because he's basically saying that he's being hypnotized, uh, Shere Khan style. Is that the snake? Uh, Shere Khan is the tiger. Um, <laughs> Uh, Ka uh, is the snake. Yes, he's getting his family trust in me. <laughs> and he's like, I I should tell this guy everything. And the implication is that he does? He, he says he does. Yeah, he like fully spills his guts about like, oh, Todd Cothery was basically threatening to kill me. Yeah. And they, the, the, the Interpol and Scotland Yard and blah, 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 blah. And I will say by the end of this, Buck is like, I'm going to fucking throw up. <laughs> Uh, he, so, no, that, yeah, Buck is, like, freaking out, which so I is, will like, say, the only time he's actually, like, relatable to me. Right, and so I will say all of this, is it's it does have a good enough ending in that, like, Buck is having a panic attack. Yes. Not just from the fact that he's, you know, going to be exonerated for something he didn't do, but literally because of how powerful Carpathia is. Right, and Carpathia tries to be like, oh, I didn't have any knowledge of this beforehand i do know todd Catherine and stonagle but um i have no feeling like what is, he's he's hold on now i gotta go find it in the book because the way he like words it he's basically like i formed no opinions about any of them neither am i beholden to any of them like well okay since you say it must be true right <laughs> you have no opinions on these and, people and sure that's just a line because he's basically saying i met with the billionaire illuminati crew <laughs> and sure i met them and talked to them but, but is I'm, that such a big deal yeah i'm i'm not tainted yeah. by their conspiracy. I'm a good guy. Yeah, I drank of the blood of Mammon, <laughs> but that's not that big of a deal, is yeah, it? Yeah, I sacrificed a child to Moloch <laughs> uh, and drank the adrenochrome, but, yeah. you know, not everyone does that. 
I, do I have Island? <laughs> do I have an opinion on Baphomet? No, I don't. Um, I've, have I met Baphomet? Yes, yes, of I course. have. I do think it's kind of insanely written to nowadays, of course, uh, to be like. I met the world's worst people, and I don't have an opinion on them, and that's somehow a good thing. Is that like a thing where he's like, I'm trying to be a, a neutral middle ground, like, I don't know. Yeah. The point of it is that he is not swayed by them, but you're right. What's the, what are we, like, because there's, there's, there's both, in, in all works, right, there's the point for which the character is saying, and then there's the myriad of points that the, the, the consumer, right. the reader, the watcher, whatever, is getting out of that. Yes. So, yeah, man, what are we supposed to take away from this? Is Because they keep pushing that, like, this guy can't be the um, Antichrist, as, as the in-world <laughs> characters are saying, because he's so humble. He's and, too good. And he's for peace or something like that. Right. So when he says shit like this, though, what is the audience supposed to think? Especially, like, I know that we, we focus in a lot on the time and place uh, that this was written, because I do think that's important, because everything, you know, is based on the time and place that it was made. But, like, were we not, even back then, kind of skeptical of the these yeah, mega wealthy people? we definitely were. I, I, I feel like it's got to be that we, as the reader, are supposed to be like, there's no way. he Like, he obviously is all in with these dudes. Yeah, and I do think part of the Cause fun... Because even, even Buck is like, it can't be true. Like, I'm, I'm right. looking in his eyes, and I'm trusting him, but... Exactly. But, like, just, like, logically, these facts don't add up. Exactly. And I think that's the, kind of the point, is that we get to read the book and see it from, like, a bird's eye view and get to be like, how'd you guys not see this? You guys are fools. When, obviously, they are purposely not seeing it because they're written by uh, two maniacs. Well, that's the thing. Like, is is this, like, is it written in such a way that the people reading it are going to be like... Well, obviously, he's the Antichrist, and you are getting in on it, like, because you're, like, opposed to what the characters are saying, so you're more likely to be like, no, he is the Antichrist. Yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. I mean, again, I I feel like it's extremely possible that they're not thinking that deep at all, Yeah, but also, Tim LaHaye was a crafty dude, so I feel like it's also very possible that it is intentional. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, we get to kind of the crux of the shadiness here because Carpathia is like, Buck, I believe you, and I can make this go away for you. <laughs> and Buck's like, uh, uh, you know that sounds bad, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Buck is real stressed at this part. And like the way he like talks about it is so funny because there's a part where he's talking about like being in a depression or something that really made me laugh. So, so at one point in this section, Buck is, is like talking about like the reality of this, and it li- the, the book literally says, "Buck said his mind black with depression, as <laughs> if he were losing his soul before his very eyes." Insane. So Buck, so Buck is going through it <laughs> during this part for sure. Because Nikolai is outlining, kind of broadly speaking, how he can make this go away for Buck, and Buck, rightfully so, kind of. Is uh, all his warning signs are going off, but Nikolai is basically saying, "Like, hey man, I if if you're innocent, then there's Isn't nothing wrong with me. All's well that ends well, baby." Goosing this one way or the other way, right? I also love the wording because Carpathia like assures Buck he's like that they're, we're talking about politics and diplomacy, not skullduggery or crime. <laughs> like, is this D and D? Yeah, it's <laughs> v- very strange. And the way that he goes further to sort of convince Buck is like. First, Carpathia said, a little background. I believe in the power of money. Do you? No, says Buck. You will. 
I was like, shit. Shit. <laughs> also, uh, Buck, you dumbass, you don't believe in the power of money and you're fucking, like, journalist? Really? Like, how are you so naive yeah, about this? That's that really z- stupid. Zero sense. You covered wars, dude. Yeah, like, obviously money is really important. And, oh, and this is the thing. Like, because the way they talk about stuff in this, I'm agreeing <laughs> with Nick Carpathia. He's right. He's right. He is right. Obviously, money is uh, is huge. Yeah. Um, next, Carpathia, like, in trying to basically be like, Buck, don't worry, I'm not really in with the bad guys, tells a very confusing story about his involvement with uh, banks. Yeah. What was your, like, take, like, what was, what was your take on this story? (laughs) To me, it was, like, showing his naivete and what happens when you try to be a good person in business, because essentially what happens is... Nikolai is saying that he was a decent businessman, not a great businessman, but good enough, right? He borrows a lot of money, and not like an un- unbelievably a lot of money, but like, you know, for what a, he's a, making. A good chunk. A good chunk. He's sure we'll be able to pay it back, right? As long as things don't go bad. But then the bank, um, in order to make more money, sells him out to his rival by telling his rival what he's doing. And we're supposed to be like, whoa, that's fucked up. Wow. Nikolai, you got fucked. But then the bank, after to like double, triple dip, goes back to Nikolai and sells the other guy out. And yeah. then this time Nikolai's on top. And we're supposed to take away that like Nikolai learned something here. Like, damn, banks are fucked up. So I'm not too sure. Damn money. <laughs> what is happening and in, in, in what Nikolai did to not be quadruple, you know. Yeah, right. Like, why didn't they just do it again? Yeah. <laughs> like, they just keep doing it forever. But I think the implication is that, like, hey, man, I'm Nikolai Carpathia. I want all of the world's guns to go away. But I'm also not, like, naive. Yeah. So, so he says here, what I had to learn in just over a decade is how much money is out there. Out there? Buck says. In the banks of the world. And, buddy, I'm telling you right now, I am keeping an eye on this evil bank talk. Because <laughs> yeah. it's giving a New World Order, anti-Semitic, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm putting a pin in that one and I'm watching it. Right, which, you know, he should just say, like, do you know how much money the Nazis stole and, like, hid away I in Switzerland? Know. They should say that. That's a thing. Yes, banks are evil, obviously. Yeah. But not for the reasons they're saying they yeah. are. Because, like, again, remember, Tim LaHaye... 1,000% believed in the New World Order. Like, this is what he's pushing. Yeah. So, just keep that in mind when they're talking about it. This is not just a, like, oh, money is bad. This is in support of a specific conspiracy theory about why banks are bad. Next, we get to the the details of his plan. Yeah. And how he's going to do bribery, I think, to become Kinda, the Secretary yeah. General of the UN. Because he does this thing, he's just like implying. He's not exactly saying what he's going to do. So I, it's a little unclear to me like what the mechanics and of this will be. A lot of it is sort of confusingly tied in into how he's going to help Buck. Because he's both saying, hey man, I'm not going to pay off Scotland Yard to help you. But that being said, I know powerful people. And I know powerful people that want things, and I know good people that want good things that I also want. So why not sort of work together? And even if that work together is you back my thing, I'll help you out, which is, you know, kind of a a, a normal thing. That's that's diplomacy. Fine. Yeah. yeah. But then he's like, what if I put Stonegal? On my 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 council of ten, wouldn't that be fucked up? Well, because Buck 
like basically because Carpathia's like dancing around it, and Buck's like, "Do you mean Stunnicle?" And he's like, "Oh, wouldn't that be an interesting idea?" Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know what we're supposed to take away from that comment because the idea of putting you know one of our evil billionaires in charge on like the UN is so baffling. Yeah, that. No one would ever take that as in good faith, right? Okay, right, but... But are they wanting us to but, think that? here's the thing, though. We, in this country, elected Donald Trump because... Did we? Because, well, <laughs> Donald Trump got elected because he was a businessman. Yeah. So I could see this train of thought in some people's minds yeah. of like, oh, this successful businessman should, of course, be on the UN Security well, Council. Right, whatever. and it is a little weird that all of... Our politicians are weird lawyers, so I do weird get the, lawyers and businessmen. Yeah, yeah. I, I get the vibe of like we need to sort of like diversify our U. But it's the UN, man. Like, I yeah, mean, that's crazy to me. So basically, he so the current Secretary General is I forget. I think he's like the president of like Botswana or something. I believe so. And Nikolai is like, well, this country is starving, and of course he wants to help them, and I want to help them, so he's going to endorse my plan. I'm like. Well, there's some steps missing in there. Like, it feels like the old meme, like, step one, do this, step two, do this, question marks, profit. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, how are you going to, how are you going to suggest this to him without, like, bribing him? Like, you're right. bribing him. That's what a bribe is. You're yeah. Like, I will give your country money. Yeah, because I will never... shuffle money around so that your your country has money. Right. Because he doesn't, he's not saying that he's going to let Botswana starve if he doesn't follow his plan. He's just kind of innocently saying, well, we both want the same thing. Like, doesn't this make sense? So doesn't this make sense? And it, he feels very naive and very whatever, but it's entirely possible that since he's the Antichrist, his life has been, like, things just happened to him. So he he yeah. can think this way, and he's right, because God's going to be like, yeah, all right, fine, whatever. The ba- the bank's not going to triple cross you. It's, it's, it's fine double crossing you. Well, I guess my question at this point is, what is going on in Carpathia's little brain right now? Does he know? He's the Antichrist? Well... Or is he just, like, sincerely being a politician? I think he's sincerely being a politician, and based on the next chapter, like, he... We don't even have the Antichrist yet, right? No, like, he's not the Antichrist yet. <laughs> so, like, we know... He's just the proto-Antichrist. Yeah, he's... He, he's he's the tadpole Antichrist. He's currently in a Pokemon egg. You gotta yes. You gotta run back and forth yeah. across New York and Chicago to make him hatch <laughs> into, like, the real Antichrist, but, like... I forget if we ever get inside Nikolai Carpathia's head, because I know I hope so. later we do get more characters that are closer to him and where he can let his quote-unquote guard down, but I forget how early that happens, and I know that like when things get quite shitty, as they outline um, in the next chapter, of course he's going to say things that are fucked up, because right. fucked up things are happening, right. but I'm super curious what Nikolai actually thinks here, and I'm super curious what we're supposed to assume he's thinking, yeah. because yeah, he's in league with like the worst people. That's the thing. It's like, is he being, is, is Nikolai currently being sincere that he thinks he can work around these people and not be corrupted by them? Right. Or is this all just a ploy in general? And I right. don't know. I don't I know have, at this point. Yeah. I mean, I think it's legitimately interesting as well. I Yeah. Yeah, totally. And we'll see how that works out. But the way that they were able to sort of thread in Buck's issue with um, Nikolai's issue of becoming the commander of the planet, I think is yeah. somewhat genuinely interesting. It's confusingly written, I will yes. say that. But I think the, um, the the general vibe of connecting them to one-to-one in a way that makes sense, even if it's kind of comic booky. Uh, that, that that's a thumbs up from this guy. Yeah, and and I think we get clear confirmation here that 
yes, Carpathia does want to try to become the Secretary General of the UN. Because, I mean, Buck brings it up. Uh, and he says, are you telling me that you will become Secretary General of the UN? And Carpathia says back, I would never seek such a position. But how could I refuse such an honor? Who could turn <laughs> his back on such an enormous responsibility? Goddamn. And that's the thing. Like, you, could, you can read that as, like, a plotting person. Right. Or as a just, like... I'm sincerely, I'm a, uh, what did he say? Servant leader. He does, he does servant leadership. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to be in charge. I will be in the room and yeah, I will be yeah. leading servant style and giving my opinion on everything. And manipulating people into doing what I want. And also no one's able to tell me no because of my magic powers. Because <laughs> I can hypnotize them. <laughs> like Ka the Snake. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, Carpe's like, listen, man, I know, like, this seems, like, sketchy to you, but, like, at the end of the day, you're innocent, so what's the problem? Yeah. And the chapter then cuts back to Ray for being sad and not being able to sleep. I'm on the ground. I'm sniffing my <laughs> wife's bed parts. Yeah, he, he literally, like, wakes Chloe up by sobbing her name. Like, All right, Rayford, you need, to, you need to chill out, buddy. Yeah, that's embarrassing. You need to, like, cry into a pillow, like, instead of waking your... Like, I'm sorry, like, I'm, like, thinking about, like, waking up to my father, like, sobbing my name out. Yeah. That... I can't imagine anything's worse than that. Even these extreme times, I'm like, quit. He prayed for the grief to lessen, but part of him wanted it, needed it to remain. I actually kind of liked that part. Yeah, that rocked. Yeah, every, every now and then they'll like hit something and I'm like, that's a legit like emotion that human beings yeah. have. Chapter 17. So, chapter 17 picks up immediately where chapter 16 ended. I do not understand why they have ordered the chapters we, in this we, way. We needed it. Why did they not just end the last chapter on the Carpathia Buck conversation and just start this chapter with Rayford being sad? Uh, Rayford was sued. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't in the chapter enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, Rayford's crying like a little bitch, and Chloe's like, don't worry about me, Daddy, okay? I'm getting there. Yeah, she's going to be a Christian she's soon, gonna for, Yeah, she's going to be a Christian. Um, so, soon, yeah, yeah, so Rayford can't sleep, so he's like, all right, I guess I'll go turn on the TV to watch CNN. And, oh, wait? Hell yeah. What's this? Hell yeah. <laughs> Guys, two very important characters are being introduced on the TV. Eli and Moisha. Yay. <laughs> uh, uh, the tribulation, in my opinion, has begun. It's, it's, it is about. <laughs> ding, 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 yeah. ding, 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 ding. Look, it hasn't. But it has. But it kind of I mean, Maybe actually it technically. No. It de- I think it has just because. Is like, it the pre-tribulation? It's like revving up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to argue that it has because there's, you know. Flexibility, right? Right, right, right. Like, like, is the tribulation started when the president, uh, the Antichrist, is elected the Antichrist, or when he starts campaigning <laughs> right. actively, As the, or right, when he takes right. office? So, in my opinion, oh, Eli yeah. and Moshe showing up, that has to be the start of it. Oh, That's my, my opinion. So, the newscaster is, like, live from Israel <laughs> at the Wailing Wall. Uh, they say... They have stood here before the Wailing Walls since just before dawn, preaching in a style frankly reminiscent of the old American evangelist. Cool. What the fuck are you talking about? So, step back. (laughs) The news reporter is talking about these two dudes that are standing in front of the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem Mm -hmm. preaching Mm -hmm. about Jesus. Christ. Jesus Christ. 
and they're Jewish, and they're preaching about Jesus Christ. Yes. And, and this and, is evangelicals' wet dream. Absolutely. This is what they want. Yeah, and this is like the whole uh, uh, weird side chunk of the tribulation focused on uh, uh, Jewish folks involved in it is this whole vibe of, finally, you fools, you will realize that the New Testament is one. Yes. Real in the New <laughs> Testament, and you now agree that your Bible is the Old Testament. And, and, and Jesus is the Messiah. You? And how dare you forget that Jesus is the Messiah and, and not see the, the, the signs like fools. So a little weird, quite weird, very weird. Yeah, and Rayford's immediately like, oh, shit. I think I know who these guys are (laughs) because he's been reading Revelation. And in Revelation, they talk about how there will be 144,000 Jews who believe in Christ and they will start to evangelize people. Very weird. Yes. Now, I have not dug super deeply back into Revelation again and I'm already like, do they really assign they're Jews or like, is this just like evangelical interpretation of this? I need to like go and read all of it yeah. to know for sure. But go ahead and just assume that any interpretation they're doing of Revelation is suspect. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and not the like, prevailing interpretation yeah. of Revelation. Yeah, even like evil Bible thumpers don't believe, believe or consistently believe shit like this. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of variation within the Bible thumpers of like what exactly these things mean. Yeah. So more just like if they're like, Revelation says this. I would think that most of your quote unquote evangelical Christians do believe in like the rapture and shit like that. But the specifics, if you really drill down to yeah. them. and because like pre, pre-trib rapture? Uh, is it mid-trib? Is it post-trib? Right. And if you take, because again, like, this is obviously a work of fiction, but like, if you take enough of the bullet points from the Left Behind books and sort of like put it on a list, and if you asked people sort of like, maybe even out of context, do you believe this will happen? Do you believe this will happen? They would probably not be like, yeah, of course. Um, but then once you kind of like, oh, this is what Left Behind said, this is what's yeah. been preached here, this is what believes there. Then maybe they'll either A, believe it more wholeheartedly, or B, be like, that sounds a little weird. Who's to say this? Like, all of this is kind of like a grab bag of yeah. assumptions of the current Christian faith in America, at least. Yeah. So a- after talking about uh, Eli Moisha, the news flips over to the U.S. president who's talking about how awesome Nikolai Carpathia is on the news. He yeah. loves him. He's like, I love this guy. I'm going to have him talk to fucking Congress and shit. He fucking rocks. Yeah. I loved how much he knew about the U.N. and history. Yeah, yeah he really, he really uh, encyclopedied the heck out of the U.N. Yeah. So. I think it's cute that they think knowledge is important at all. Yeah. In any way. Yeah, that actually is very, like, yeah, as if, like, people would be impressed by a politician having right. knowledge. Because, like... But the, the future has uh, borne that out to be incorrect. Right. Everyone <laughs> makes fun of Bernie Sanders because he has all these stats. Yeah. Meanwhile, this guy can just be, like, a fourth grade presentation on the UN and people fucking nut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So... Uh, then, man, this, guys, this news uh, station is very convenient for all of our plots. Yes, thank you. Because it also next moves on to the fact that Buck has been cleared of all charges. Everyone around <laughs> the world has been dying to know. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was, like, kind of a big deal. There was an explosion and, like, a manhunt. So, yeah. like, fair enough. People would definitely be into that. And the arrest was near Nikolai Carpathia explicitly, like, at his hotel. So that, that's, that's juicy, baby. Yeah. But... <laughs> And then the most important and funny thing, which I almost brought up earlier, the news then says, in sports news, 
Major League Baseball teams in spring training face the daunting task of replacing the dozens of players lost in the cosmic disappearances. <laughs> now, that's funny, and that is what shit would be like. People oh, would be yeah. like, oh, okay, I know, like, a large portion of the population disappeared, but what about my sports? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, we we complain that they don't do it enough, and then when they do do it, it's weird, and we love it. No, I think that's great, because that would be an, it would be like, well, shit, what are we doing now? Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that we know... They'd have to, compi- they'd have to like, consolidate the baseball teams. Yeah, <laughs> like, we're going to merge you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Cincinnati Antichrist. <laughs> the, the, Phil- the Cincinnati Bowl judgments. <laughs> yeah, the, Philadelphia Scorpions, um, <laughs> and I think that's good. Yeah, hopefully it gets so on the nose and like uh, the Miami abortion havers oh and shit God. like that. Yeah. So Rayford finally is like, "All right, that's enough news for me." Fuck this. <laughs> and he still isn't sleepy, so he tra- calls and tries to get Hattie on his next New York flight. So this is like an ongoing, like, tried to meet up with Hattie. More right. logistics about meeting up with Hattie. Yeah, the, the okay. timeline thread gets deeper, and I'm just like, I don't give a fuck. Uh, and now let's cut back over t- again. Like, I just. <laughs> Jerry Jenkins, what is your writing style, bro? Yeah, this is really stupid. Buck went back to his apartment and thought about what had happened before. Like, why don't you just lie? Why why, why are you doing this? Why are you framing it in this way? Yeah, no, no, no. Just, like, keep it with the previous scene. Stop. You're so confusing. Like, is it, like, a timing thing? Like, are we supposed to be, like, Buck is synced up to, like, Rayford, like, it's the same time for the both of them, and that's why? I think it's because... He needs to hear this call that's coming I, up. Oh, they could have done that too. Oh, whatever. Yeah, it's, a, whatever. It's, it's weirdly written, but you can see, like, instead of saying <laughs> Buck in the now thinks about what happened in the past, you could, like, steal reeling from this. Yeah, exactly. And, like, having, like, a crisis of conscience. But again, the way they write is very, very weird it's, and bad. <laughs> it's very amateur yeah, style. Yeah, sure. So. Buck thinks back to how Carpathia called Stonicle on speakerphone, who then called Todd Cawthorn on speakerphone to basically be like, leave my boy Buck alone. Yeah, and this happened in the room. Yes, again, with Haim and everyone is there, and they're all having these weird, like, daisy chain speakerphone okay. situations. Well- yeah, take back everything I said. This makes no sense. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it is in the room. There is happening yeah. in that same conversation. So they don't like specifically like say what Carpathia like requested of them, but what we get back is Todd Cawthorn saying, "But my package is secure," and Stonigal saying, "Guaranteed." <laughs> what does that fucking mean, dude? It's so bad. Like- and and but this is where Buck is like reeling and like losing his mind, also, and he's like. Nikolai, bro, you know this is fucking shady. <laughs> like, come on, what does that mean? The package is secure. Come on, it's weird at all to do a three-way call with the Illuminati. But <laughs> yeah, Daisy Jane three-way call. But the the writers of this book adding in the like, but my package is secure when they're talking about this. Like, bro, don't do this now. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Do they not know they're on speakerphone or something? I, I I don't I don't know. I think that's possible. Because I'm I for some reason in my mind, Carpathia is not lying. I've decided that Carpathia is, doesn't lie in these books. Like okay. until later, like right until now, he, until, he, until he um, levels up. Yeah, until he levels up, and then yeah, he until he evolves. Good. Um, you know, he might sway with 
changing times, right? Uh, something bad happens, and so he gets mad. And like, okay, this is what I was going to do, but it's obviously we can't do that. But in my opinion, he's currently not lying. I, I don't know if that's true, but I think it's some, a somewhat more interesting way to, to take it's it. Possible. It's definitely possible. Um, and Buck is like, okay, but dude, he's talking about like the securing the package. Like, you know, this is shady. And Carpathia's like, listen, I didn't know what was going on, and I assure you that I will deal with them both. Well, what does that mean, sir? What is dealing with? And, and yeah. that's where like Buck is like freaking out. Like I'm, Buck is like I am getting in the middle of some real like international conspiracy right now. And which is why we kind of joked how funny our main characters get so involved with yeah. the plot of the planet. Which again, it's a book. I mean, it's a book. So it makes how it sense. Goes. <laughs> uh, and and you know, Buck is like. You know, calling Carpathia out. Like, man, you can't, like, be doing this. And Carpathia points out, like, listen, they want to put me in a position of power, but I'm not currently in one. So I need to get in that position of power so that I can do anything. Yeah. And, like, affect my plans. Which, like, okay, that's, like, that is definitely an argument right. that and it's naive politicians to- make all the time. Exactly. And it is technically naive it- to think that you can do it without that. Right? Like, right. in any way that you want to dice it up, you have to kind of play... Uh, ball in, right. in, in politics, much less international politics. So I don't think we're technically supposed to think that he's naive in this situation, but I maybe a little bit. I think we're actually supposed to think he's just being like pragmatic. Pragmatic, in this situation. yeah. And I do like how much they have Buck and Carpathia go back and forth with each other. Yes. And they have Buck like really pushing back because we do get inside Buck's head as yeah. he's having a panic attack and having <laughs> right. black pill depression about this <laughs> shit. Again, the only time Buck has been relatable. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I want to believe this guy, but holy fuck, is he a part of, like, some scary shit. Yeah. And again, just him being like, you can't honestly believe that you working with these guys is going to be good. And like we said before, Carpathia is pretty clearly in the, obviously, A, I have to do this because yeah. I don't have any power. You, keep, you Everyone keeps saying I have power, but I don't. And B, uh, it's it's... Not explicit, but it is kind of like the ends justify the means. But he's also not saying that I will work with evil people to get it. He's just saying that, like, I will work with powers greater than myself. Right. Um, Again, because he said I didn't form any opinions on these Illuminatis and whether or not they're bad. So we're supposed to take that as good, I guess. I don't know. He's saying neutral. I also think it is the concept of uh, Nikolai not actually, like – Knowing he's the Antichrist and evil, so like in his mind, everyone's just like everyone just like loves me. I don't really know why. Yeah, and <laughs> it's very funny to me, and I I want that to be real. It's very yeah, it's very much John Hamm from that one episode of Thirty Rock. <laughs> yes. who just thinks he's good at everything, but just because he's like, so no, hot, you're just very hot. And so yeah, I, maybe Carpathia is just he's doing his hypnotizing thing, but he's he doesn't even know his own yeah. powers. And I forget what happens to Catherine and Stonegal. And I'm very excited yeah, to same. find out. My assumption is that, like, Nikolai is absolutely going to use them and then fucking destroy them. I feel like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, but I don't really remember. I don't remember. I hope he, again, I hope he pushes them off a building. I hope it's something very intense. I hope he, like, picks them up by the throat and, like, chokes them Darth Vader style. Yeah, and throws them out of a window. Yeah. So, the next, after they kind of get through this part, Carpathia is like, hey, Buck, what if you were my press secretary? And Buck's like, no. Yeah. I'm not, I don't want to do that. And remember, all this happened 
a day or so ago. Yeah. So then Buck makes a little joke, like, oh, you should make Eric Miller your press secretary. Hey, guys, remember him? Remember the dude that Buck was choking out in the last chapter? And Carpathia's like, oh, really? And Buck's like, no, I'm joking. That dude sucks. And he told him, and he tells him the whole, everything that happened. And then Nikolai made this weird face. It's extremely, Nikolai will remember this. (laughs) Buck's like, yeah, no, he's a douchebag. He, I had to tackle him three times and he kept lying and he's like, Nikolai's like, he acted with dishonor, you say? <laughs> yeah, he's like, his, his hands are trembling with anger. <laughs> and Buck's like, yeah, it's kind of what happens sometimes. Not everyone's as good as good boy Buck. Yeah. And Nikolai's like, someone would act with dishonor? It's like, yeah. A journalist with honor? <laughs> so, which kind of makes, well, I was going to say, kind of makes me think that Nikolai is not bad. But, dear reader, please pay attention <laughs> to what happens yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, just hold that thought for a little bit. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So we finally get Nikolai Carpathia's big scoop that Buck has been waiting for this whole damn time. And Carpathia lays out his plan, which is that he is going to convince Israel Mm -hmm. to give their chemical fertilizer formula, which made the desert bloom, Mm -hmm. as they would love to say, Mm -hmm. uh, to the UN. Mm -hmm. And because all the other countries will be disarming and giving 10% of their weapons to the UN— Therefore, the Israel will only need to sign a peace treaty with the UN. It's, I don't know if this makes sense. It's pretty confusing. The way that I, the way that I, I read this at like two a.m. and I probably shouldn't have, but like the way that I chalked it up is very similar to how in America our drinking age laws are supposedly tied to like road maintenance, meaning like the uh, federal government will help you with X Y Z thing. I'm sure I'm missing. If you if you make the drinking laws right, yeah, like yeah, oh yeah, you can yeah. you can have your drinking age of eighteen, but we're not going to help you with blah 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 yeah. blah. Um, and so I think it's somewhat. Similar, but what they do is he, what Nikolai does is he kind of skips a few steps because he's ma- assuming that this disarmament is going to happen regardless. It gets close to almost saying that people will want to disarm because of getting the formula. Well, that's what I'm but they is, don't say that. Yeah, like <laughs> is he going to be giving the formula to everyone else? Because that's the whole thing is that Israel doesn't want well, to do that. He says he's going to give it. Uh, to them, but they have a guarantee for seven years, <laughs> which is really funny. Actually, oh, no, that yeah, them talking about the like seven years of protection is like if you again if you're 
if they talk about seven years yeah. or three and a half years, that is, those are like triggers because the tribulation is seven years long. Right. And so this and is three like, and, a, and, and like a thing happens halfway through three and a half. So those are like, if they say seven years, it's because right. it's lining up with and the tribulation. It's really funny because uh, explicitly, Nikolai Carpathia looks at the Antichrist and he says, they are, of course, insisting on guarantees of protection for no less than seven years. Yeah. Because <laughs> everyone, hates, everyone hates Israel a lot more so than they do in our world because they won't share their food. Um, <laughs> right. And, you know, this whole vibe, it's really confusing because I don't think he says we will convince people to disarm by giving them no, yeah, the thing, the the formula, but they are going to get the formula and they're going to give it. Partially it's because Haim loves Nikolai, so yeah. he's able to um, um, negotiate for this. So it's kind of like, confusing, but I do think they're kind of explicitly saying this UN shit's going to happen regardless. Right. And, and like the way that Buck responds to this is like, well, this is obviously gonna work and it's a great idea mm -hmm. which is again i'm like i would be asking a lot more questions about the, the intermediary steps right because fine he's like jennifer said he literally says instead of making a peace treaty with everyone on the planet they're just gonna make a peace treaty with the un and that's explicitly a one world government type shit yes well and also i mean i guess it makes sense that they don't need to be worried about the other countries if they've all given up all their weapons but wait is israel gonna be giving up any other I think so. I think everyone has to, right? Well, then why, is, well, that's then, why, that, then why does it matter anyway? Well, that's why they're saying they need a guarantee of protection for seven years. But this part is kind of confusing. So I was kind of curious. Like, is the protection for seven years explicitly, oh, my God, we're not giving up our guns. But the way the way it's situated is so close to the formula that it almost felt like a patent thing. And I'm yeah. like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, no, and this is where I'm like, I can't tell if they're just being, like, vague about this because they're going to go into more detail mm -hmm. later or if it's just poorly written. Yeah. Really, either one could be true. <laughs> right, because as much positive things as we have to say about Nikolai, a lot of these plans skips huge steps where he's basically saying, I'm a servant leader. But, oh, yeah, that one thing I said is going to happen. And he says this is enough of a scoop, but Buck yeah. can't talk about it. Until something happens, I forget. But right, like, which kind of makes it not really a scoop. Yeah. But okay. Okay. And this is where I think that like my theory is that they, you know, Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins are like kind of parodying this type, parodying this type of politician. Like, I want to make the world better. Like, but he doesn't really have a plan. That's probably too deep. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if that is. What right. they're doing a little bit. But then again, Buck is the level-headed, smart, best <laughs> boy in the planet. And he says, you're going to get the Nobel Peace Prize, Times Man of the Year, and our new maker, oh, sorry, news newsmaker of the year, and the sexiest man alive. I added that part. Which is true. They mentioned it several times. <laughs> so, like, you know, don't forget, he's also the sexiest man alive. Mm -hmm. The first winner ever... With like less than a year, less than a year after the, the previous, it doesn't really uh, roll off the tongue. <laughs> so. so yeah, I mean that's the thing that we said several times: is the what do they want us to think here? What do they want us to think here? Given the fact that characters that they make Mar uh, Gary Stews think. And on top of that, we know this guy's the Antichrist. I mean, I do think that perhaps we are trying to um, assume coherency where there is not any. <laughs> yeah. But this is where, again, this is where I'm like, I don't want to underestimate Tim Lahane because that fucker is a smart guy. So I just, I don't know. Yeah. And, and, and Jerry B. Jenkins cranks out books that people buy. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, I mean, some of it is, yeah, I think shit just happens and 
they're page turners, so it's like, I mean, we could. You like hand wave, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, <laughs> the line for Looper, like, what, we're going to get out straws and connect them to figure out time travel? <laughs> no. Looper's better because they don't talk about right. shit like that. Guys, let's cut to the part of this section that fully made me lose my mind. This part rocks. So, guys, Rayford, he's got to go to the New Hope Village Church because there's an emergency church meeting. This is... Insanity. Like, the fact that they're doing an emergency church meeting when they meet, like, four times a week. Guys, get in here. We gotta talk about Revelation. Check it out. We gotta talk about bowls. I just read a a pastor note. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the thing. He's like, all right, I've been reading commentaries, and I've been reading the Bible, Mm -hmm. and I found an old sermon talking about... The tribulation. And he supposedly has the internet, so he could do like Google one on one. I don't oh, know AOL. I, that's pretty early though. Alta Vista. I mean, Encarta. Ninety five. Like I mean, Buck uses the internet. Yeah, but Buck is special. Buck is special. You don't think Bruce Barnes knows? I, Rayford has no sign of really using yeah, the internet. That's true. I think that's a Buck thing. That's true. Uh, so Bruce Barnes, the pastor, has gathered everyone here to explain to everyone the different judgment milestones of the tribulation. I hope you're fucking ready. This this shit rocks, Jennifer. Yes. Can we actually read the the passage? Yeah, let's fucking do it. Because like, yeah, um, it's, it's it's just there's so it, it's so dense. Like I feel like I had like. Like, almost everything on the page underlined. Yeah, and and I think we should pull up the scripture and verse that Barnes mentions. Okay. Revelation, gang. And remember, if you want to be a, a proper sicko, you say revelation, not revelations. It's not revelations. It's one revelation overall. Yeah. So this is what um, uh, Paul wrote in the Isle of Patmos when he was tripping on uh, mushrooms, most likely. <laughs> uh, yeah, citation slightly needed for that. That's like a theory, but, you know, who knows? <laughs> he had ergot. Yeah, well, and also, like, people assume that the John who wrote Revelation is the same John, like, the disciple John, and it's not. Yeah. I said Paul, but it's John. Oh, yeah, it's John. Yeah, It's not John Paul. the Baptist. His head was brought over there. Yeah, yeah, not that John either. <laughs> <laughs> so, let me just read a bit hey, from hey, what yeah. old Bruce Barnes has to say. I'll take the time to carefully teach you this over the next several weeks, but it looks to me and to many of the experts who came before us that this period of history we're in right now will last for seven years. Yay. Barnes is just saying the shit that evangelical Christians like believe about the Bible. So just because Barnes says this is the interpretation of Revelation, do not assume that the actual text is actually saying that. Right. And when he says experts, we're all doing the jack off. Yes, exactly. By experts, he means like Billy Graham. Yeah. (laughs) The first 21 months encompass what the Bible calls the seven seal judgments or the judgment of the seven sealed scroll. Then comes another 21 month period in which we will see the seven trumpet judgments. In the last 42 months of this seven years of tribulation, if we have survived, we will endure the most severe test, the seven vile judgments, (laughs) V-I-A-L, not (laughs) V-I-L-E, vile. The last half of the seven years is called the Great Tribulation, and if we are alive at the end of it, we will be rewarded by seeing the glorious appearing of Christ. Uh, and this is where then the people in the audience are like, um, you keep bringing up if we survive. <laughs> hey, real quick, what the fuck? Um, are you saying we're going to die? And he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to die. Not only does Bruce outline how fucked all of these judgments are going to be, but it's pretty explicit, according to the experts, that like huge percentage of the population are going to die during each of these. Let's read a little bit from the word uh, of the Bible where some of this stuff comes from. Revelation chapter 6. 
Uh, let's just start with verse one of the NRSV. The New Revised Standard. This uh, is the one that I always used in grad school. So we were going to do KJV. We were like, fuck it. Let's use no, the No, this the, is the better one. The but, better one. Because <laughs> the thing is the KJV, uh, it does not translate some things correctly. Yeah. So this is like an actual more faithful translation of the Greek. Yeah, which is absolutely not what they, they're reading, nor what the experts are reading. No. Whatever. Then I saw the lamb open one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures call out as with a voice of thunder, come. I looked and there was a white horse. Its rider had a bow. A crown was given to him. And he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature call out, come. And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people would slaughter one another. And he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature call out, Come! I looked, and there was a black horse. Its rider held a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of our four living creatures, saying, A quart of wheat for a day's pay, and three quarts of barley for a day's pay. But do not damage the olive oil and the wine, we all read knowingly. Yeah, we know what that means. I actually do. <laughs> and he opened the fourth seal, and I heard the voice of the fourth living creature call out, Come! I looked, and there was a pale green horse. Its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed with him. They were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, famine, and pestilence, and by the wild animals of the earth. And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar of souls, and those who had been slaughtered for the word of God and for the testimony they had given. They cried out in a loud voice, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long will it be before you judge and avenge our blood on the inhabitants of the earth? They were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number would be complete, both of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters, who will soon be killed as they themselves have been killed, and there's a couple other seals. Yeah, there's some more. But this is like, so this is where we get to talk about the four horses, and I actually think it's great that we read the actual text first before we go into Burr's Barn saying what it means, Mm -hmm. because the evangelical interpretation of this is not the only interpretation of what these horses are. Can I ask a question? Yes. the four. This is the four horsemen yes. of the apocalypse, this, right? Yes. Is there that any, we all know and love? We all know and love the Johnny Cash song, the X Men's, you know, you name it, uh, uh, World of Warcraft. Is there any other concept of these four dudes in other, um, you know, beliefs that, and shit? like I that? I actually don't know that, and that's the thing. This is why when I started reading through this, I was like, oh man, I'm gonna go down such a rabbit hole. Like, I need to do a full episode of research, like for just the four horsemen, because yeah. I d- I don't know. But the thing is, like. Even just like listening to you like read that section, there are certain like constructs in writing from that time, like the, the re- repetition of saying like, mm-hmm. and then they said come again, blah 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 yeah. blah. Like so, I think that it's totally likely that there's like it's it's like ripping on an idea that exists. I am just not sure. And we right, because more research. the modern interpretation or the modern slash what the concurrent interpretation that got lost for like a. Th- 1800 years is that this is all code right yes exactly so yeah so there's there's a kind of a few different approaches to interpreting revelation one is that it's just like a straight up code about like an actual you know ruler like some people say it's about nero Mm -hmm. or whatever and then there's some that are just like it's more like a generic thing like about the concept of a bad leader or whatever and then there's the no this is about the antichrist and it's about Christian shit. Yeah, because even if it's not explicitly written in code with, you know, 
John saying this is about Nero. It's also sort of a because again, the Bible is not the Bible. The Bible is just letters. That, it's a lot of different texts put together, right? And it's that not was all decided later. <laughs> later, and they found because even the books of the Bible when it's when Jennifer's saying, you know, this is written by John. Not John, Book of John, but yes, John, Book of John. But also, they didn't see it that way, and nor did they think they needed to, because a lot of those letters, books, whatever you want to call them, were written by disciples of Mark, disciples of John, disciples of um, Matthew. So you're getting further away from, like, the source. Right. So they would basically write as the author... Uh, like saying Matthew wrote this, right. maybe in a way to cite Matthew, but it seemed like a much more normal thing thing at the time. I mean, it to definitely was sign Matthew when you're just you're not actually Matthew. It's Ninety years after Matthew yeah. died, right? Well, and I think too, just in general, like this style of writing, like it, it is um, often referred to as like an apocalypse. Like this is mm. like the style of Revelation. There are other things that are written like this in the right. same time period. So this was like a style of writing. And it, it could literally just be like because again, it kind of stressed the fact that this was written probably not by the John who hung out with Jesus but maybe someone later is because things got quite rough for Christians pretty yes. quickly. So um, they're being extremely persecuted <laughs> for good reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> not for good reason because it's all religious. It was more just like, um, your thing is kind of going against like yeah. our whole emperor thing. Yeah. And you're talking about being only devoted to the Lord <laughs> and we don't like that. Yeah, which is kind of stupid, whatever. But uh, still. Um, so it could literally just be like poetry to yes. talk about how bad things could be. Yeah, yeah. And, it's and to give, to be, like, a happy ending. Like, oh, it's all going to be dealt with in the end. Exactly. You know? Like, but so, not taking that – because the thing that is really frustrating as an American former Christian and, and when I was trying to be a cool Christian is just how much of the Bible is not supposed to be taken literally. Yes. And, and it takes so much of the quote-unquote beauty – out of the Bible, even the you know the New Testament, by divorcing it from the 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 writers at the time, yes, where it was poetry and it wasn't supposed to be taken literally, like you know a fucking Bible class in like a Christian high school is going to say that all of the Old Testament is literal and you should take it that way, even the parts that David literally killed a giant, yeah, like but yeah, whereas the Tower of Babel actually happened, the part that will make you a better person in a religious way, in a beautiful way, and, and fill your your you know lowercase s soul up is to take it the way that it was, in my understanding, written, which is just like. Uh, almost morality plays, so to speak. It, it Aesop is. fable style. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because Jews did not believe a lot of these things actually happened. And then we took their book and we're like, yes, it did. Well, and also... And now we can eat lizards. And and, and, and Judaism has like a fully different uh, like uh, relationship with text because they have a very long-standing tradition of like arguing about text and having different interpretations of the text and like different like, you know... That being allowed and that being fine. Right. Whereas in evangelical Christianity, where they are completely, like, addicted to literalism and the thought that, like, oh, there is a meaning. There's one correct meaning of this, one correct interpretation. Yeah. And I'll say, too, like, when I'm talking about, like, oh, like, this wasn't written by the John or whatever – we are never going to know in our current times, like, definitively who wrote this. Like, that information is, like, lost of time. Like, yeah. And I don't 
so anything I'm saying is like I'm saying it with a huge like caveat and an asterisk on it. Like, but we know it's deeper than like there was more going on than just like oh this is a prophecy or whatever. Yeah, and, and they don't teach you that because it puts so many holes into things to be like you yes. can't say like how can you say that the Bible's literal when the chapters are are the like books of the Bible are literally not written by the person they're said. Yeah, but like. There's a world where you're like, no, 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 it's not, it's not the author. It's the book of Matthew, meaning the book of Matthew's teachings, which would make sense, Fine, but yeah. they don't say it that right, way. Right, they don't. So I want to get – we're going to get more into the horses thing in a second, but I wanted to step back for a moment. Oh, but also the oh. Bible says this is written by Matthew and, and, or like written by – Yeah. So that does literally again, go find the face of what actually This happens. is when you get into – Guys, there are multiple versions of these books, and like what actually like was decided to like be in the like the official version of the right. Bible was like literally decided by a council. So there are like alternate versions of these books that right. exist out there. Right. That's why the you know Catholic Bible has the apocrypha because they, yeah, they right. allowed it. Other but I even mean of the specific books themselves. Yeah. Like there are parts that are like, ooh, some versions of Matthew have this verse included here and other ones don't have this verse. Right. You have to get the uh, Blu-ray extended edition of the Bible to get all those deleted scenes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Again, these are like, not are they just like random letters? They're random copies of these yes, letters. Exactly. With mistakes in them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like it's just the whole process of it is way more wibbly wobbly than evangelicals want to admit. It's so insane to think about that like the New Testament is mostly just um thought leaders writing to people being like i know shit f- is fucked they're influencers they're influencers <laughs> being like i know things fucking suck yeah and you're getting like even like we say explicitly this chapter this book of revelation is that but that's all of it it's, it is, it's yeah. like it's like hey let me fill your capital s soul up yeah because things are so bad and we can delight in it it's just that this one's so explicit <laughs> about how fucked things are and then they go magic mode yeah but that's a huge huge uh, topic but i thought it was Somewhat important to point out now, and we're gonna have to point it out multiple times. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm excited keep, to hear Jennifer do a deep dive on. <laughs> I will. I have a whole book like from from undergrad because I did a class on Revelation, so I'm gonna have to dig back into that book Hell again. Yeah, baby. I'm gonna have to like relearn some Greek, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so after he kind of goes in, Bruce goes into the whole like, all right, here's the division. First twenty one months is this. Blah 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 blah. He then says. If I'm reading it right, the Antichrist will soon come to power, promising peace and trying to unite the world. But when – okay, th- he says that. He's like, but then when the true goals are revealed, quote, this will result in a great war, probably World War Three. unquote. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels a little goofy, but I mean, come on. That's probably what we would say, right? Like, but, Yeah, but it's also like so funny because the people are me like – well, is, is Carpathia the Antichrist? And I'm like, no, no, it can't be. I think he's too nice. I think them saying it's not Nikolai is really funny, especially after he's like, he's going to be good and promise peace and be yeah. from Romania, and he's going to show up pretty quickly after the rapture. And what about Carpathia? No, no, that doesn't make any sense. No. Like, well, it obviously, <laughs> super does make sense. Shout out to the unnamed people that like it's Carpathia, right? We all know it's Carpathia. Yeah, <laughs> and the main character being like. 
No. no. I mean, Chloe, like, I mean, again, like, Chloe, like, immediately is like, uh, kind of seems like the Antichrist <laughs> to me. <laughs> so let's, I want to briefly go back into the Four Horses, like, specifically. Because okay. Bruce, so that the Four Horses of the Apocalypse are the first four seal judgments. And oh my God, guys, I have, I have a book that, like, ha- do you remember, like, all the crazy diagrams of, like, the different, like, judgments? And, mm. like, well, mm. oh, well, I, okay, well, when we go into this in more in depth, I will we will post this somewhere so oh, yeah. you can see the crazy diagrams that people do. Um, Bruce says that the white horse that we first read about is the Antichrist. Hell yeah! And that is very interesting to me because that is a pretty new interpretation oh, yeah? of that. Generally, up until around 1860s, people were like, "That's God. That's Jesus Christ." Is the white horse right? Because they they thought that Jesus would lightly come back. Yes. Because that's one thing that I was kind of surprised they didn't mention in the book, and I was getting my lore confused. I thought, like, the whole vibe is Jesus is going to return, but he does a, a half return. He just, yeah. put, he just puts the tip in, I, and that's the, <laughs> right. and that's the rapture. But they didn't mention that. So you're saying that that is what I'm mixing here? I, yeah. I mean, just in general, like, people in the past, like, you know, all your church elders and shit interpreted the white horse as Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Gotcha. When it changed was this dude, which I need to do more research into this because this is like, uh, I saw this on Wikipedia. It was like quoting like a French document. I need to do more research to like fully confirm this, but it seems correct to me. This dude, C.F. Wimple, interpreted it as the Antichrist in 1866. And specifically, he believed that Napoleon was the Antichrist. I mean... Sure. Okay. <laughs> so, so that happened then, and then like late eighteen hundreds, like in the nineteen twenties ish, you start to see that catching on in America. So, was there not a concept of the Antichrist, or was it like the Antichrist exists? He's just not one of the four guys. I think that is correct. Okay. Um, but again, like the whole modern way that evangelicals like treat the tribulation was not like that is a very recent thing as well. That's yeah, from like. True. Eight, mid 1800s on. Yeah. So I, I wish I could say it's like, hey, we found out more and now we evolved, but I don't believe that's the no, case. <laughs> no. Um, and I really, really, really want to do a whole deep dive into this because I also found out like one of the other like dudes that made this very popular in the United States specifically was at Piedmont Bible College, which my church yeah. was connected with. Let's go. So, man, I this is also like just going into my conspiracy theory that like North Carolina, what's going on there? Yeah. There's like a lot of weird <laughs> like specific shit. You have to drive on Billy Graham Parkway to get I, the airport. Exactly. No, like it's for real. What is up with North Carolina? You're the city set up on the hill. Yeah. We all know it. So, all right. Well, again, I keep saying put a pin in it, but because these things are just going to keep coming up as we read yeah. it. But white horse, whatever. Because they're going to talk about what's going to happen constantly, and then eventually it's going to happen. But they're going to talk about it so much to kind of like you know tantric us to, into being freaked out. <laughs> exactly. And then shit's just going to happen in the books. Like yeah. these things are going to happen, and they're fucking crazy uh, and very interesting. And I loved reading about them. But so we're going to touch on them a lot. Cause yeah. The, again, it's like we have to do this because blah 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 is going to happen. So after the white horse, we get the second uh, seal judgment, which is the red horse. And Bruce Martin says, this one equals war. Specifically, he quotes, the Antichrist will be opposed by three rulers from the south and millions will be killed. I need to do more of a deep dive on why do you think there's three rulers from the south? Like, because that's where, like, yeah, 
Exactly. I think they're taking from like other sections of Revelation yeah. to get this interpretation because I don't see Isaiah. The, or yeah, exactly. So that's like their interpretation of like, oh, it's three rulers and stuff, blah blah. Like, I'm very uh, excited to see them being like South Sudan. Well, it could be the Botswana guy. Be like, <laughs> I, I. Do they mean? Do they mean what southern do they mean hemisphere? The south? Do they I mean don't know. everything south of Jerusalem? I, I. Who knows how so they're interpreting that? That's gonna be like the king of Australia, <laughs> the yeah. prime minister of Chile. Next seal judgment, the third one, is the black horse, which is inflation and famine. That's my favorite. Uh, Bruce says, as the rich get richer, the poor starve to death. Based uh, Bruce, let's go. Yeah, based Bruce. And like, someone's like, sounds like we need to start stop on food. Bruce is like, you should. Uh, <laughs> for sure. This was – I didn't know they said this so quickly. Yeah. So I've mentioned it before, but like – <laughs> Some of my favorite parts of this of my book of this of the series is when they go super underground mode Dinner. and start you know like prepping, and then when they actually have to prep due to all these things coming to pass, how sick it is in their safe houses and stuff like that. But also, uh, uh, let me remind you, dear reader, my f- parents literally give or at least used to give. Um, uh, 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 tithe, I guess you'd say, or whatever, just like you know, charity to a, a, a what they called a prophet, I believe, um, who was part of this movement to stockpile yes. food, resources, I'm going to say ammunition, I'm not positive about that. Jennifer, you were in the car uh, at the time right. um, Yeah, that's, I mean, I remember the canned food part, like, yeah. for sure. So literally giving to this guy that they called a prophet that is stockpiling resources for Israel specifically for the end times. Yes, but also, like, let's please look at, like, all the, like, Various like QAnon, like right wing folks, they're all like, like so many of them are preppers, and yeah. like this ties in with that, I think. Um, but I do think it is interesting that it's like inflation and famine, and it's like, kind of is actually happening now. I actually do start getting a little freaked out reading this again. Um, it's fun to think like about. not really, but but yes, because the fourth horse is the pale horse, and that's the symbol of death. Yeah, that one's weird, and more specifically, uh, Bruce says. Besides the post-war famine, a plague will sweep the entire world. Before the fifth seal judgment, a quarter of the world's current population will be dead. And I was like, ah, it's Ah, COVID. COVID. (laughs) Oh, God, it's real. Yeah, the – I mean, we kind of – we got all those, baby. That's what I'm saying. So it is kind of – again, it is – Trump is is the Antichrist. It is really funny to be reading Left Behind right now in history because shit is pretty bad. Um, So I can understand a little bit of why people are like, it's real. That shit's happening. We're not in World War III, but you could see any one of the insane things happening right now become World War III. Exactly. And there are people that argue that we kind of are because we're in this very strange proxy war for the past – Well, Like the the Cold War kind of just shifted. Into the war on war on terror, blah, 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 blah. it's weird because it's like a rolling World War III. We're, we're in the we're in war world, not world war. Like yes. meaning, like, yes, we're going to constantly have these conflicts and they're never going to fucking end. Like the concept of how long Afghanistan lasted felt impossible. Yeah, compared or like you know I, the Iraq War compared to like Vietnam felt like we would never do something like that again. But the fact that like, it's just been happening for 21 years, and, and, you know, or like 20 years, and all the other places that we still have our boys out yeah. there in danger and shit like that, like I would, I'll never know how many people we have in direct danger oh in like God. Syria and yeah, shit like that. Who you know? knows? Like I was listening to a, a podcast and they're talking about like, oh yeah, I'm really surprised people aren't talking about the civil war and even I forgot fucking. You know, <laughs> 
just, it's just happening everywhere. Yeah. And well, and it, also, there's something to be said of like living in the information age. Like, yeah, back in the day, everyone was fighting too. We didn't know about all right. of it at the same time. So it definitely feels like we're constantly in war. Yeah. And what the sickos want you to think is that like if we do anything with Russia, then we will be in World War Three. The sickos might be right, though. Right. <laughs> like, I don't man. Who so even knows? Who fucking knows anymore. So then Bruce moves on to the fifth seal judgment. And this is where he talks more about this magical 144,000 Jews who will convert to Christianity and will be converting people themselves. Again, I need to go back and do a little reading. Really, like, does this say Jews in Revelation? It was really I'm skeptical. I'm very skeptical of is that. Is it just these 144,000 Magical Jews who will convert more non-magical Jews? I, I think Or yes. is it just other people? Because it very much feels like, oh, there's only going to be 144,000 Christian Jews, which I don't think that's what they're implying. Oh, I kind of thought it was, actually. That's what I thought. But, like, who are they going to be preaching to? Just non-Jews? I think so. Yeah. Um, and also, this is interesting because the whole 144,000, that's, like, a thing in, like, certain, like, subsects. Isn't that, like, a thing in Jehovah's Witnesses? I think they, like, actually Maybe. think there's only going to be... 144,000 people in heaven. Uh, which is where I'm saying, like, there's many different interpretations of this shit. Yeah. So, like, even within Christianity, there's different interpretations of it. So, yeah, so supposedly there's going to be 144,000 Christian Jews. Um, and then we get this quote. Many of their converts, perhaps millions, will be martyred by the world leader and the harlot, which is the name for the one world religion that denies Christ. Yeah. Gonna need a citation on the harlot equaling one world religion. I mean, they have. <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind that Revelation talks about the harlot. Like, I have to. Oh, they love talking about the harlot. The, yeah. Open her titty, and then yeah. that, that means it's. Yeah, because I think eventually the one world religion will have, like, their pope or whatever. And <laughs> I'm excited to see, you know, them being like Greg the harlot or, you know, um, Montrescue. Okay, can I say, though? Because I, like, again, you probably remember more what actually happens than me, but I'm like, Hattie's the harlot. <laughs> <laughs> She's for sure. Well, we'll see. Uh, then Bruce goes into next, the Six Seal Judgment. This is a big old earthquake. Uh, but everyone in the room starts to cry when Bruce starts talking about the earthquake, which it was hilarious to me. It's scary. It's so scary, but like, why was the earthquake the tipping point? I think They're like, was, cool with all the horses. Well, because I think this is like the second chunk of a million, like, millions of people are going to die. Yeah. And so it's just yeah. getting super fucking bad heavy. Bad and bad. But then, guys... The seventh seal judgment is just introduction to the trumpet judgment. I agree. With you. I'm like that doesn't count. That That's doesn't fake. count. It makes no sense. Like you hear a trumpet, like so you were double okay. dipping. Yeah, exactly. And so wait, is this the first trumpet judgment or is it the last <laughs> seal judgment? I don't understand. It's very clear. So then Bruce goes back on the topic of the two witnesses. Uh, Tim, can you read this part here? God's two special witnesses with supernatural powers, yes, to yes, work exactly. miracles will prophesy one prophesy, prophesy one thousand two hundred and sixty days closed in sackcloth. Anyone who tries to harm them will be devoured. No rain will fall during the time that they prophesy. They will be able to turn water to blood and strike the earth with plagues whenever they want. And then they also mentioned that it hasn't rained since the rapture. Yeah, Huh, and that's so weird. Maybe that's an argument to say that the rapture, the tribulation started. Well, I don't fucking that, know anymore. That, that was literally the part that made me be confused about it. Like, wait a minute, 
hasn't started. They keep saying, know. I think it has started, but also it hasn't started. Yeah. Because I think, like... I think it's a little mushy at the beginning. This, I don't think it's going to be seven years and blah, 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 like 26 days. It's going to be seven years. I think it's be exactly seven yeah. years. But it might be seven years and 17, Which or like 14 like days. I don't fucking know. Which kind of, like, is useful for them, because then they actually know when shit's going to happen. And I have read the final, well, not the final, fi- the final book that is black, and because I, even at the time, I thought it was weird. I didn't want to read the one. Heaven. The heaven one. The heaven one. Um, so then Bruce goes into more detail about what's going to happen with these witnesses, uh, the two witnesses, and he says, Satan will kill them at the end of three and a half years. But after three and a half days, they will rise from the dead and ascend to heaven in a cloud while their enemies watch. Cool. <laughs> okay. I, are you paying attention to all the numbers? They, yeah. It's Everything all, is base seven, like three and yes, a half times three and two. and a half, three and a half, seven. Yeah. They fucking love the seven. 21 months. Like, 21, it's yeah. all like broke again. And this is where like there's these like – I grew up like literally seeing on the like projector, like the clear slides up on the screen at church, these like intense diagrams of the years and like breaking down like at this month, like these verses are in play and this is what's That's fucking crazy to think about. But like they are reading it that explicit. Yes. You could have a a play by play. Uh, Bruce also mentions the exact chapter and verse. So let's read that. Revelation chapter 11, verse three. I'm going to read one and two for fun. Yeah, you know what? Why not? Fuck it. Because Bruce didn't think it was important. Then I was giving a measuring rod, like a staff, and I was told, come and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. But do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample over the holy city for 42 months. Can, uh, I, can I interrupt you for a second? This is what I'm talking about. Like, when, when like any evangelical is like, this is what Revelation means. This is what they're reading to, like, pull. Like, this shit is, like, very, like, metaphorical and, like, there's a lot going on. Because isn't, like, the way it's structured is he's having a dream or, like, a vision? He's having a vision, yeah. And there's, like, a whole thing of, like, the angel handing him, like, a Bible to eat. And it like tastes what? sweet, but then it tastes bad and makes his belly hurt. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of really weird shit in this. So it's not just like this is what's going to happen. Like it's not that clear. Yeah, John has hot girl tummy. We all know it. <laughs> uh, this is the first chapter, which gets in like they obviously cut those two parts out because they make no fucking sense. But these are crystal clear. And I'll grant my two witnesses authority to prophesy for one thousand two hundred and sixty days wearing sackcloth. That's pretty explicit. Yeah. These are two olive trees and two lampstands that will stand before the Lord of Earth. Pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. They're olive trees and they're lampstands. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire pours from the mouth from their mouth and consumes their foes. Anyone who wants to harm them must be killed by this manner. Which is interesting because they say devoured. Yeah. They doesn't really say they're going to shoot fireballs. Yeah, yeah. Things. Again, yeah. Well, now I'm curious what the like KJV says in that verse. Because when they said devour i'm like is this gonna be a classic there's gonna be a wolf that jumps out or bear <laughs> them or something no, apparently they're gonna be some fire they have the authority to shut the sky so that no rain may fall during the days that they're prophesying and they have authority over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth of every kind of plague as often as they desire when they have finished their testimony the beast that comes up from the bottomless pit antichrist oh that's the beast the, is beast, the, the beast yeah. yeah and that's how they got the antichrist yeah uh will make war on them and conquer them and kill them and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that is prophetically called sodom and egypt huh where also <laughs> the lord was crucified yeah that's why i'm like oh, that's really confusing uh, really <laughs> Uh, for three and a half days, members of the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And the inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them 
and celebrate and exchange presents because <laughs> these two pe- prophets had been a torment to the inhabitants of the earth. But after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and those who saw them were terrified. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here! <laughs> and they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies watched. And at that moment, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. Seven thousand people were killed in the... Uh, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to God. So this is a classic huge city of 70,000 people. Well, yeah. So so that's the thing where, it's, again, it's a seven. Like, so that's all it's about. Like, yeah. it, I think it does not literally – if I were reading this, I'm like, it's not literally saying 7,000 exact people. Like, that's just like a signifier number. Yeah, I feel like that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, probably, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I think he even I think Bruce Mars even may, may say like he, he he likes to quote the specific like numbers and amounts of things. So I am curious if they're going to play with the gray areas in the book explicitly because they obviously are playing. That's yeah. the whole book, right? But I'm I'm curious if they'll have like a character like Bruce be like, okay, it's actually the metaphor that seven thousand. Like right. I'm like, very I curious it was if they're, but... they're going to do that a little bit. I don't think they will. Oh, I don't know though because this is the thing like. This brand of evangelical Christianity, it loves to be like, the Bible is literal until it doesn't really fit what I want it to say, and then yeah. it's a metaphor. Right, right. So I kind of feel like that's what will happen. Like, if it's not 7,000 that get killed in this earthquake event, then he'll be like, oh, well, you know. It's going to be like, well, yeah, 300,000 people die, but that's just because the old bounds of it, Jerusalem exactly, are this, Exactly, exactly. Only the people there They're going to find a way to make it fit. Right, it's just like how they had the random countries attack with Russia. Yes. It's because that's prophecy, and that's yes. what they're going to do. Yeah, so at the end of this, Bruce Barnes is basically like reiterating to people like, hey, you see this shit that's about to happen to these two witnesses? Well, we're on the same side as them. Yeah, and that's... <laughs> why we have to be prepared to die and stockpile food. Yes. Shit's getting real, gang. Then we get a quick cut back to Buck, yeah. Con Hattie, and he's going to try to get Hattie an audience with Nikolai Carpathia. Very which, weird. Why would he agree to do this? Like, seems like Carpathia's pretty busy. Like, yeah. I feel like that would be a really, like, if I had, like, a random lady that was, like, trying to, like, get connected right. to a famous person I knew, I'd be like, what? He's busy. I'm not doing this for you. Yeah, like compared to how he treated Miller. Uh, yeah, like before. I guess because Hattie's hot. Hattie, Hattie is hot. Hottie Hattie. Hottie Hattie. Uh, and then we cut back another quick one to Rayford, and Chloe's gonna go with him to New York after all to try Yay. to meet with Hattie, and that's literally all that happens in that little chunk. Well, it's another fucking confusing layer of freaking. We're all gonna be in the same place. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true, and it makes no sense. I guess it really is just to be like they're the 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 main characters are all coming closer right, together. Because Hattie to Buck is like, yeah, I have something to do, but I have to right, be a pilot. Right. But I don't have to. I can blow it off. I don't care. And then we cut to Rayford to be like, that's the pilot, by the way. <laughs> he and is the pilot. He's like, I insist. Rayford's written so strange. I'm I'm over Rayford, gang. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> he sucks. I know I, I was talking good, but he's just written so shittily. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, he's like, I, I, I insisted she meet me. Because uh, he basically express, explicitly says that he's pissed about it because he wanted to use Hattie to get to Chloe. Yeah, like, and he keeps, like, he's using Hattie still. Like, he doesn't actually care about Hattie that much. He just is, like, concerned how it's going to affect his plan to get to Chloe. Yeah, and I don't think we're supposed to judge him for that. No, I don't think we are either, which is fucked up. Yep. Then we got a final cut. Back to Buck, one last time. He's been called into his big boss's office. Let's go! Let's go! His name's Stanton Bailey. Turns out, guys, Steve Plank is going to be Carpathia's press secretary. Whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> so Steve Plank is not murdered, which I kind of expected to happen after yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Marge came out crying. But uh, in, in Stanton Bailey's office, for which Buck mentions he's only been there twice ever, even though he's the world's best boy. Um, God damn, Jennifer. Uh, Steve. Yeah. Press secretary for goddamn Nikolai. Yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah, I did kind of forget about that. Me too. Um, and yeah, uh, Stan Bailey is like, well, Buck, you want to take Steve's old job, right? And he's like, mm, I don't really want to. Uh, I'll think about it. And he's bringing up good points. Like, everyone's going to give me shit. And Stan's like, they already give you shit. But like, yeah. yeah, that's different. This is a bad idea. Uh, somewhat unsure why that's there. Maybe, I don't know, he's going to be like in charge of the paper and he's going to start talking shit about Nikolai and. They're going to uh, kill him. I don't fucking know. We'll see. But we also... Jesus. Most importantly, find out in this section, because Buck makes another little joke about, like, oh, I told him that he should have gotten Eric Miller right, because as his press secretary. Clank's like, I bet he offered it to you first. And he's like, no, he didn't. Which, dear reader, he He actually did. did. Why is he lying about it? He's lying Weird. about it because, in his mind, he didn't because Buck mentioned it to Nikolai. And Nikolai's like, was that a bad idea? But he did offer it to you, Buck, you dumbass. Yeah, you dumbass. Just because you said it first. But we find out <laughs> that Eric Miller, his body washed up on Staten Island because he fell off the dang ferry and drowned. <laughs> so. So. So what are we thinking here, gang? <laughs> Bro, Carpathia <laughs> killed this guy. <laughs> Carpathia thought that Eric was so detestably rude that he murdered him. He murdered him. And I think that's the only thing that is... Black and white, what happened, right? He definitely did it. Whether he did it with his, like, mind powers, like, by making him just tip over the Staten Island Ferry. And I forget, what does Buck think about this other than, <laughs> I don't even feel like he only talks about it that much. Buck isn't even worse. Okay, no, 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 okay. I'll read a little bit from the book. Buck, Steve said, Eric Miller's body washed up on Staten Island last night. He fell off the ferry and drowned. Well, Bailey said summarily, enough of that ugly business. Steve has recommended you to replace him. Buck was still reeling from the news about Miller, but he heard the offer. <laughs> oh, please, he said. You're not serious. So he, like, barely re- like he's reeling, but he's also like, I have no commentary they on this. knew that they had to mention that Buck is like, well. What? But it was also <laughs> a situation that this is a very weird moment for Buck, and he's out of sorts. So I get it, but I'm really kind of confused why they didn't. Have Buck be like, oh my fucking god. <laughs> um, and also in this part, a, a funny little aside is when Buck is being like, they're going to be so pissed if I become the boss. Uh, the the big boss says, they'd complain if we brought in the Pope himself. And then someone, I don't even know who else is, thought he was missing. So they're implying the Pope is missing? <laughs> yeah, are they implying <laughs> that the Pope was raptured or he's just missing? I don't know. That's what I, 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 I don't know what they mean by that. I think... Wouldn't they have said the Pope also disappeared? 
Uh, my lore is that the Pope didn't disappear, and then he killed himself, and they don't want to talk about it. Because <laughs> they don't say. I mean, we might find out later. I don't know. I, I feel like maybe they were like, they, they disappeared, the Pope, and they put, they're putting a new, even more <laughs> evil yeah. Pope in. I don't know. Because the, re- the reason why we're focusing on this when it seems obvious is we do not think Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins would say that the Pope would get raptured. Oh, no. Because he no, is, no, no. The, like, what's worse than the Catholic? A super Catholic. Yeah, no. Evangelicals hate Catholics and do not think they're Christian, and they do think they're going to hell. I could kind of see them being like, well, the Pope's going to heaven. But not I don't for, know. I don't I don't, they might think No, I think it's the opposite, because he's, like, in charge of it, and they're like, no, he's, like, literally the devil. Yeah, I guess I guess I was trying to give him benefit of the doubt. You're right. No, I, I don't think they're implying that he was raptured. I think they're implying something else happened to him. And I guess we'll see. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember what goes on with the Pope. In fucking Pope is gonna wash up on Staten Island. Like, he fell off. He fell off a different ferry. Well... Craziest fucking yeah. chapters. I'm really excited we got them um, so that we can kind of outline what's going to happen in the the comic book version of this world. Yeah. And yeah, Nikolai, man, starting to be the Antichrist. That's my man. A thing that was really on my mind, and I think I brought this up a little bit earlier, but like a thing that really was impressed on me reading these chapters is that this brand of evangelical Christianity loves to have special knowledge that no one else has. Mm -hmm. And I think that is why that group of people are, have been particularly susceptible to QAnon thoughts. Cause it's the same shit. They love to figure out codes and secret messages from people. Uh, and, and (laughs) there's a lot of overlap in general. Yeah. And they're constantly saying that this insane stuff is both insane, but you're also uh, a a ding dong. If, you yeah. didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah, like Rayford literally is like having a moment in this where he's thinking about it, and he thinks to himself, for all Rayford's education and intelligence, he felt he had been a fool. Yeah, so it's not like oh, these worldly like ed- this worldly education you got was all wrong. Actually, right. like he says, don't, don't believe like the logical things in yeah. front of your face. Yeah, because he both says like, yes, all this shit would sound insane three weeks ago, but he also says, how was I so stupid? To, like, be told this stuff. Right. And, bro, that's confirmation bias. Yes. Yes. Get out of here. <laughs> so, well. yeah, this, I, I feel like this, these two chapters really, like, really illustrate that overlap in thinking uh, yeah. between the, you know, evangelical <laughs> Christians and what's going on with QAnon and... Uh, good times, That's good what times. it's become now, so... Well, you can follow us on Twitter for our takes, mm-hmm. our retweets. Mm-hmm. Are um, um, occasionally public likes and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm on Twitter at Tim Lanning. Uh, the podcast Twitter is Trib Farce Pod. Jennifer is at Jennifer Cheek. Gen- uh, Jennifer, is there anything specific you want to plug? Well, I mean, Tim and I do. We are on another podcast together called Greetings Adventures. Uh, it is a Dungeons and Dragons actual play mm-hmm, podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on our second campaign right now, mm-hmm. and so you can actually like catch up with it because we're not super far into it i think it's good i'm playing a character who's uh basically being deprogrammed um (laughs) so it is very heavily informed from the way i grew up hell yeah yeah that rocks well thank you so much for listening and may your cup runneth over with blood with blood
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.